Hello everyone and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker and I am bringing you the themed issue for October 2020. This issue's theme was Gender Body Horror from the guest editor Woody Woodger. And this theme, I think uh, the, the pieces that were selected really fit it. I think that it's uh, a really interesting take on everything. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you in, enjoy this. Um, let's get straight into it. There is going to be one piece that is read by a surrogate reader. Um, that surrogate reader is going to be me. <laughs> um, so you'll hear that. And then, uh, and then everything else is in the, uh, artist's own voice. So, um, yeah, let's get straight into it. The theme for October 2020 gender body horror. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Gender Body Horror by Alex Andy Fong Gender involves much more than what is between the legs, because each person only has a single body. The body is a temple, and sacred truths are also thought of in the mind, safe within the heart, and fundamentally connected to the soul, to form a unified whole. We are born the way we are, so never destroy yourself. Hello, I'm Judith Pratt, and this is my essay, Exploitation of Fat. I'm fat. Now, in my early 70s, I can walk for 15 minute, 50 minutes, half of that uphill. I can bicycle for 40 minutes. I stretch and exercise every morning, but I am 40 pounds overweight. I'm fat because I dieted for 40 years. Why did I do that? Remember Twiggy? She was a supermodel between 1960 and 1970. Ancient history, right? At 5'6", Twiggy was short for a model. She weighed 112 pounds. Currently, the ideal weight for a woman that height is between 117 and 143 pounds. Twiggy was skinny. She was built skinny just like I'm built fat. Back in 1963, during the Twiggy years, I was 5 feet, 8 inches, and weighed about 140 pounds. Currently, the ideal weight for a woman that height is between 126 and 154 pounds. But I did not look anything like Twiggy. So my kindly family doctor gave me amphetamines so I would lose weight. I was 18 years old. That began over 40 years of yo-yo dieting, which led me from 140 to 230 pounds. Okay, I'm too big, too smart, and have learned my social skills the hard way, but mostly I was always too fat. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I never ate a lot of fast food, one of the reasons Americans are fat. I always exercised. I did eat a lot, however, probably because I dieted. Dieting made me feel better about myself. Dieting gave me energy. 
Dieting led me to eat more and more when I wasn't dieting. And I dieted while overworking and gave myself a case of chronic fatigue that's still with me. Dieting makes money for a large industry, $60 billion each year. The market has responded to our desire to be slim. Or is it that the market has given us a desire to be slim? The market lets us choose from many options. Here are only a few. Intermittent fasting, the paleo diet, low-fat diets, Weight Watchers, the DASH diet, the Atkins diet, the Flexitarian diet, the Mayo Clinic diet, the Mind diet, the Volumetrics diet, the TLC diet, the Ornish diet, the Jenny Craig diet, the South Beach diet, the I'm tired of listening all these diets diet. Then there are prescription diet pills for people with a body mass index, BMI, of over 30, people like me. Side effects include things like vomiting, not being able to control bowel movements, and a raised heart rate. Sounds enticing. Sounds like one of those things that cause people not to trust the pharmaceutical industry. Despite all this choice, two-thirds of Americans are overweight. We are overweight even though the health club industry in the U.S. was worth $30 billion in 2018 and has been growing at a steady rate of 3% for the last 10 years. We're dieting, we're exercising, we're fat. What's wrong with this picture? Well, back in 2007, a UCLA study proved that diets don't work and that they, in fact, often cause weight gain. That study has been replicated. But a $60 billion industry can't be wrong. Google the best diets and scroll for 14 pages. Some of the ads repeat during those pages, so maybe only 10 pages. Several years ago, I gave up dieting. I do focus on low-sodium, low-sugar, homemade meals with lots of vegetables. Otherwise, I eat what I want and when I want. Hamburger pizza, even candy. I have lost about 30 pounds. So here's my diet. Exercise as you are able, doing what you like to do. Eat reasonably healthy food. You might be fat. You might be skinny. Uncanny means unknowable, but you kind of know, especially when dating a wannabe entomologist. By Jennifer Met. On the forest walk, while slapping at mosquitoes, you get clinical. Only females drink our blood, kept separate in their stomach, to make egg proteins. Rich nutrients are needed for reproduction. Like males, they will drink nectar and sugar-sweet honeydew, but only little to save room just in case you grin. When they find us and their labium presses, skin brushing before parting, slowly revealing and thrusting mouth proboscis into red vessel. I used to think bugs creepy in the words old sense, 
crawly, scary, alien, never knowing what they were, thinking. But with you, I see them in the word's new sense, sexual, deviant. And the thing is I maybe do know what you are, thinking, and I cringe as you slap bugs from my back. Stuck my blushing now nightmare. This poem, Uncanny Means Unknowable, but you kind of know, is actually one poem out of a really long series of poems that are exploring the story, The Cares of a Family Man by Franz Kafka. That story basically describes a fantastical wooden star creature, which is called Oderdeck. And he's spooled with string, he lives in the family man's hallway, and he likes to tumble down the stairs. So these descriptions kind of reminded me of mosquito pupae, uh, which are even called tumblers because they rest at the top of the lake with these little tubes uh, for breathing and they're comma shaped. And then when you touch them, they'll tumble down to the bottom and hide for a little bit before they come back up to breathe again. And then the star shape reminded me of adult mosquitoes. And so I began to think of Oderdeck as a mosquito and the poems kind of grew from there. And you know, because there are so many ideas of what Oderdeck might rep represent in Kafka's story, uh, which can be called a faux parable because it has so many contradictions and it defies meaning. Um, I needed a whole series of poems to try and consider all of the interpretations. Specifically, this poem uh, takes its name from the theory that Oderdeck is the epitome of what Freud might call the uncanny, which is something that's familiar and yet creepy because it's slightly off. It's you and not you. And that's at once unsettling, but at the same time, there's this kind of fascination with the thing. Um, and that's how I view Oderdeck. Uh, this poem is also from a section of the series that explores how Oderdeck defies body and gender roles. Oderdeck is described as an animal, and yet he's wooden and he has no lungs. So he's an object, but he's alive, and there's this disconnect between self and body. Oderdeck's pronouns even switch about from it to he. Um, and Oderdeck doesn't buy into the patriarchy. He ignores the family man uh, and won't take any directions from him. Uh, he doesn't buy into sexuality at all. He's at once ancient and childlike, uh, so he's kind of outside of the range of sexual maturity. And, you know, he's singular. There's only one of them. So he doesn't need sexuality for propagation, companionship, or anything like that. He's completely asexual. And to me, it's interesting how even in our repressed culture, uh, just, you know, how unsettling people find this and just why the, quote, family man cares so much. Um, even knowing that sex is a tool in defining power structures, asexuality seems to flat out offend people, uh, even more than a hypersexualized view of nature and a romanticism of blood-sucking parasites, uh, which is just totally weird to me. And that's what this poem is about. Thanks for listening.